New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and today we have Sarah Putt here in the Podcast New Zealand studio. How are you? I'm very good. Kia ora, Paul, and lovely to be back. Thanks for having me back on the show. It's great. Look, we've been doing a lot of interviews, and the, 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 I guess the format of the New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, has pivoted a little bit this year, and so there's a lot of those um, interviews and hearing startup stories, founder stories. We've had a panel or two in there, and I'm really enjoying that format. Mm. But what I was missing uh, and getting a little bit of feedback on is, um, hey, you know, where's, where's a little bit of news discussion, a little bit of reviews? Yep. So Perfect. thank you for taking the time to, <laughs> to come and join me. Now today there's a bunch of things we wanted to delve into, some, um, some local news, uh, aut- autonomous weapons in there in the local news discussion, a uh, bit of technology, a bit of AI in, uh, in, in de- the defence world. Uh, we've got the new uh, Southern Cross cable delivering much more bandwidth to New Zealand and, of course, the more connectivity that we get between New Zealand and the rest of the world when it comes to fibre, um, then sort of the safer we are, the less chance there is that we get cut off and we're exactly. out of communication and unable to, I don't know, do anything, right? What is there that we do these days that doesn't require an internet connection? I, I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we want to delve into that. I want to hear from you a little bit about the CIO 50. Yep. Um, and there's the R&D, Research and Development uh, Tax Credits. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we get a little bit of time to talk um, social audio because there's been been some interesting movement mm. in, in that space. Need to hear about that yep. over the last few months. And then gadgets, um, the gadgets just keep coming. There's there's new gadgets keep coming through the door, arriving. Um, it feels like by the box load at times. Yep. Um, but I wanted to delve into some of those new things that have arrived. Uh, products from Apple, Dyson, um, Oppo. Uh, Xiaomi, um, yeah, there's lots of stuff coming through and uh, yeah, it'd be good just to get a little bit of chance to delve into some of those. So first up, tax credits. Okay, we're, gonna, this, we're, gonna, uh, we're heading into we're, tax we're credits just, first, just, no, just, I, I know it might not sort of sound like the, um, you know, the most cutting edge tech stuff, but actually it is about us as a country being on the cutting edge, is investing into research and development coming up with innovative things and um, yeah so I'm keen to hear because you, yeah. you you write about this stuff and and CIO right and, yeah and computer world and yeah. and that's absolutely right and you know all those fantastic interviews that you do with startups and even established companies that are you know great New Zealand companies doing lots of R&D you know we need to encourage that and so things like R&D tax credits sounds a bit dry it's actually really important and kind of hard to get your head around and I was always a bit concerned that, you know, as a journalist in this space, I always found it a little bit of a tricky area. And then I read a PwC report and I realised that I was not alone, that there's been quite a bit of effort gone into this uh, new way of incentivising New Zealand businesses to do more R&D. Mm. But it's just been really slow to kick off the ground. So just to sort of take people back, um, one of the big kind of 
problem statistics handling issues in New Zealand is the fact we our we don't spend enough on R&D and I think most people listening will will know this. We spend apparently about 1.25% of GDP on R&D. The government wants to get it to 2% by uh, 2027. So it's quite a big goal. Now, it's had, previous governments have sort of you know worried about this as well. National had this thing called growth grants, mm. which basically you know was a, was exactly what it said it was as a grant for um, you know for businesses who who did R and D. Of course, the tech sector loved that. It was great, but there was a lot of criticism about those grants. About you know what's happening to those businesses. You know they get grants and they get sold, and who what's that for the taxpayer? And was it really pushing up that percentage, you know, that all important R and D percentage? So when the Labor government came in, they and you know back in 2017, they decided they were going to overhaul the whole thing and bring in R&D tax credits. So basically, for every sort of dollar you spend, you'd get a 15% subsidy if you spent over 50 grand a year. It kind of sounded okay on paper, and they asked Callaghan Innovation and the Inland Revenue to t- form a partnership to um, to enact this, to carry it out, to, to make sure that this thing got you know off the ground. Yeah, yeah. Problem is that in the transition, what they found was that just almost no no tax credits, no nothing was happening. It was really slow, and not many companies were applying for these tax credits. So they called in PwC after a couple of a year or so, and they said, "Well, how come we're just not getting any applications?" Yeah. And they looked at it and they said, "Well, the process is just not working." Unfortunately, in the pendulum, the IRD was protecting the tax base, didn't want to give up these credits for whatever reason, was being very, very risk-averse. And Callaghan Innovation was sort of worried and concerned that they would become tax advisors and they didn't want to do that for all sorts of reasons. And so they were, instead of going, and so where the pendulum sort of in the middle between being careful it was being too conservative. Yeah. And as a result, all sorts of things, crazy things were happening like um, – it was really difficult for um, businesses to, to understand how to how to get through the process. I mean, there was talk in the report that some of them had to pay ten, over $10,000 for an external advisor. I mean, that's going to rule out a lot of small businesses straight away. Yeah, um, that seems to have been a, a common part of uh, yeah trying to get access to government funding is that a, a lot just basically say, you know, they decide, well, we can't do this on our own. And then so out of that funds, a whole, you know, and and maybe and then you have to spend it whether you, I guess, get the funding or not in some cases. Um, yeah, they go, go out and uh, throw money at somebody else to help them put the uh, – Put the application put, together. Yeah, put it, put it together because it's, uh, it's too hard for them to do, which seems – not to be the best the best use of that those funds, right? No, and it, it kind of defeats the purpose. And then other things were happening, like um, for some reason, goodness knows how, but in the PWC report, which came out six months ago, by the way, um, well, it didn't come out publicly, but was was submitted in November to the government. It um, there was they were saying things like you know software companies. There were a lot of software companies that got the message that they weren't going to be eligible. Excuse me, software. I mean, that's, that's, this is we've got something like 500, you know, software as a service business to business exporting companies in this country. Yay! Why are they not eligible, and how come that happened? So, a lot of just it almost feels like a lot of well-meaning people just yep. something went wrong. Yeah. So, in the last six months, the 
I think it's um, Minister Woods, Megan Woods, it's her portfolio, and uh, David Parker is the Minister for Internal, Mm. um, sorry, Inland Revenue. Um, So they've kind of come together and had a bit of a conversation on their people, their policy people or whatever, and they've just made a huge amount of changes. So they've brought MB, the Ministry of Business and Innovation, into the loop to try to kind of you know, ease that, uh, get that that balance right between protecting the taxpayer and uh, tax base and pushing out to for innovation because we got to take a few risks, right? If we if we want to be innovative, um, it's also got some more. Uh, Callahan Innovations hired some more compliance people to kind of help people with advice. Um, and they're also being much more, um, they're trying to get out to sectors, in particular the software sector, thank goodness, um, to try to kind of help them understand the process. But in the meantime, they have revived the growth grants just for those who've already in the past used them because they don't want businesses to stop doing R&D, but it is not a long-term solution. So I guess they're trying to learn from their mistakes. Um, they've said in cabinet papers, et cetera, released online, it's all on the MB side if you want, if people are, you know, like me, love to plough through huge amounts of documents. It's quite an interesting read. Um, if you if you go on there and you can see that they are kind of trying to get back on track, but they talk about this. It's a, it's a problem. Lots of business uh, countries all around the world have you know put this regime in. They've had to sort of you know pivot, change it, you know, kind of nuance it to get it right. Yeah, I mean it's just like doing business, isn't it? You have to keep changing and adjusting and until you get the best results. You and do. It's good. Good to see government operating in a in a similar manner, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you could be cynical and say they should have, you know, maybe learnt from the mistakes of the UK, like you know, you know, and countries like that before they put it in. But at the same time, I'm I'm kind of I find it hard to criticise the inland revenue for protecting the tax base, uh, because I'm quite glad that people in there wake up every day and want to make sure that that is is you know remains solid. But at the same time, I really want to see more innovation, and I think we all do. Yeah, great. So next up, I'm keen to delve into this topic of autonomous weapons, Sarah. Ah. Uh, I saw that in Computer World, in your uh, your fry-up, is it still called the Friday fry-up? It certainly is. Yep. Um, that you had this as a as a you know as a bit of a topic among amongst other things. Um, why, why, why are we talking about this at the moment? Well, I was a little bit surprised um, to see that um, Phil Twyford, who is the minister, and I'm going to get this title correct, for Disarmament and Arms Control, um, has been raised the idea, the topic of autonomous weapons systems. Um, killer robots is probably, you know, a, another word, another that's term. That's a cool title. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of probably more catchy. Um, it kind of, most people in tech will remember about... 2015, people like Elon Musk, the late Stephen Hawking, all of these people were warning that we were going to get to that point where basically uh, weapons could be sent out with you know, a bit of AI, uh, that kind of technology, and, the, and drones, etc., and they could target and you know, destroy targets. Well, we've based, all seen the movies, right? We've Term, all seen Terminator. the movies. We, you know, we know what the future holds. We, we know what the whole, and it, But yeah, I mean, like a lot of science fiction, it could come true. So, um, and it's, it feels like science fiction, but the reality is kind of scary. I mean, in his speech to the... Um, the uh, Centre for Peace and Conflict Studies down at University of, Oto- of Otago, which was posted online and which is where I saw it. Um, he talked about um, you know swarms of drones attacking football stadiums and things like that. And 
you might think, well, well, what's New Zealand got to do with it? And I did ask him this. You know, I rang him up. I said, why are you getting involved? What can New Zealand do? And he said, well, we need to start thinking about international treaties and, and, and advancing international policy or regulation in this area. I mean, it might not necessarily end in a treaty, but to start having those international discussions. And because New Zealand has a very good name and also a very good track record, we all know about the nuclear you know, disarmament and you know the, um, what happened in the 80s when we didn't allow the ships in, all that kind of stuff. So we have a track record. We're kind of an honest broker in this sort of situation. He pointed out as a nation we'd been very influential in the landmine treaty in the 90s and he said that really helped reduce that kind of awful weaponry out there that just you know maimed and killed people. And so he wants to kind of create a kind of consensus and the first thing to do is to talk to our innovators in New Zealand to people using AI and developing these systems and also our burgeoning space industry down in particularly in the South Island but of course on the Mahia Peninsula as well and other places um, to make sure that any kind of steps towards doing this on an international stage isn't going to um, be misconstrued or, or there aren't going to be unintended consequences it's not going to stop innovation but at the same time, it's going to go some ways to, I guess, sounds a bit grand, but to protect humanity from these things. Yeah, I th- look, I, th- I didn't know that we were um, so involved in the landmine sort of, you know, situ- no. situ- situation. So, um, you know, that that in- certainly interests me. And we do, you know, yeah, you know, we, we joked about the movies before, yeah. but, you know, in, in actuality, there are there are possibilities that aren't so good, and we see things being done, you know, with with technology, whether it's surveillance, whether it's you know, there's, there's all sorts of ways in which technology gets used in ways that aren't so good. Now, some of those you can control to you know to a degree, and so it it really does make sense for for these sorts of discussions to be happening. Now, you know, sometimes people bring up the autonomous car and you know what does it do when it's caught with a decision between you know running over a child versus a this or a that and so on and um you know i'm i'm not you know quite so sure that's that's the the major thing that we need to deal with um this sounds like a, a topic where we do need to need to look at something and to keep communicating about it now i think there have been um you know, if you go back to um, is it the Isaac Asimov um, um, stories, his his books around sort of you know the laws for you know for robots and so on. And, yes, yeah. You know, they're not there to kill and, and and so on. But of course, you know, we do use the latest and greatest of technology uh, with uh, you know for military purposes and military outcomes and. Uh, yeah, if we don't control this at a at a sort of a global level and and have some mandated standards, then you can just imagine what you know could happen over the years ahead in terms of surprises. And I'm sure, I mean, we already see drones that kill, right? You know, that's mm. that's been going on for for a long time. Um, it would be great to see some lines drawn around those things. Oh, agree. And but how you do that, I can't imagine it being easy and I have no idea whether whether you actually end up with any sort of global consensus. Absolutely. And I think as well like it's um you know when you're thinking about AI and it's and like you've raised it I mean just to go beyond just weapons systems those sorts of things. It's to what degree should a human be in the loop? 
and um, so much of the technology in te- you know is being developed and often is developed first in the military um, for various reasons. I think as well, um, it's about setting boundaries and I think often people in technology themselves want to see those boundaries. They want to see them set so they don't because there's always that feeling of well there's other groups doing something I've got to compete, it's a race and just be, get caught up in that desire to to go ahead without thinking about the wider consequences and so I think that it's it's good to see New Zealand being part of that discussion. As I said you know 5 million people in Aotearoa New Zealand what can we do? But you know the minister was quite clear that we that we can have a voice, um, and that the voice that we have isn't just going to come from policymakers. He is trying to make a a real reach into the technology community, um, community into um, into entrepreneurs. He points out that AI is integral to to so much development. Nobody wants to stop the technology per se. You just want to put boundaries around it in case it you know the worst happens and. Things and things evolve to such an extent that you can't pull them back. Yeah, well, I mean, there's obviously there's regulation in place around uh, you know chemical warfare. Yeah. You know those those things have been put in place for very very good reason, and it yeah it totally makes sense that um, you know we we look we look further now. Yeah. Um, so, oh well, I'll be interested to um, to. I guess follow that and see where that gets to from here. Now on to this thing that's coming next. SX next. I've seen it shortened to Southern Cross next cable. Um, So we have the uh, the Southern Cross cables at the moment with their sort of figure eight Mm -hmm. loop that uh, uh, you know join New Zealand up to effectively the rest of the world to Australia and, and North America. Uh, and there's that level of redundancy because of their, you know, their, they're great. Their, yep, and that's that's good. Uh, but they're doing it all again with Southern Cross next. Yes, April 2022 is when it all goes live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this week was their, I guess, their sort of you know ceremonial sort of launch of of uh, of things. The golden boy that we uh, we had the opportunity to sign down at the beach, yes. uh, Takapuna Beach, Sarah. Uh, I, th- I don't think either of us uh, did. We did. We didn't sign um, it, but we were both at the ceremony. We watched it come in. Yes. 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 yes we watched this boy come in. Um, yeah. I. I mean, there's a whole lot you could sort of delve into on this. On you know, one aspect of just how mind blowing. It is the amount of connectivity that we have to uh, New Zealand compared to you know what we did when the first Southern Cross cable was you know, being built back in I think it was nineteen eighty eighty nine and maybe it went live in nineteen ninety something like that. Yeah, it was a bit over twenty years ago, right? Yeah, the one we've got now is just over twenty years, I think. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Um, and, and you know, back then, you know, if you wanted a, a fast internet circuit, yeah, maybe a, a you know sixty four. Um, oh kilobit sort of dedicated circuit um, but ADSL sort of came in around the same yes. time and, and you know people started getting uh, you know multi megabits per, per second I think ADSL one was up to eight megabits per second uh, you know um, downstream speeds and maybe up to a megabit uh, upload off the if my my memory serves me correctly, back to uh, back back to those days, which you know served us reasonably well for uh, you know for a window of time. Yeah. Um, but of course, we need so much more capacity. So, uh, what they're they're telling us is that this uh, new connectivity will add an additional seventy two terabits um, of data in and out of the country, 
and that you know effectively um, you know it's pretty close to doubling the capacity yep. for uh, for the country. And of course, over the over the years ahead, uh, they will always you know innovate on the technology, the fiber optic cables that have been you know put in, and they usually manage to you know ex- expand uh, you know expand the performance over over time. Yeah, um, well, I mean, this new cable will eventually um, replace the figure eight, and I think that's supposed to happen in about twenty thirty. So it's kind of future-proofing it, I guess. And, I mean, a straight line to America, redundancy, all those kinds of things. And, you know, I mean, as I think the CEO of Southern Cross said yesterday, as a consumer, you probably won't notice the difference with the new cable. But possibly if you're a trader or you're a gamer, that's that's where it's going to that, that sort Shave of ten, off a few milliseconds, yeah, yeah, and just you know really you know keep you going. And um, but it's so fast, so interesting. Like what you talked about, how for so long Southern Cross was all we had, and there was so much concern about a decade ago about where you'd find another cable because these things are not cheap. This next one is already a three hundred and fifty million dollar investment for Southern Cross, the business, um, which by the way is about forty percent owned by Spark and the rest owned by. Um, Overseas telcos, so it's um it's been a it's really good to see, and of course in that time we've seen Hawaii, which is Malcolm Dick um, was behind that. He's the guy that used to obviously own um, what became was now Vocus in New Zealand, um, those big brands, Orcon and Slingshot, and then you had um, uh, the little one between um, Sydney and Auckland, which the three telcos put in for. So, Tasman uh, Global Access. That's it, yeah. Telstra, um, Vodafone and Spark. Spark. Yeah. yeah. So isn't that fab? We've got like, what are we, three? In a, in a short space of time, yeah, we've gone pretty from much. You know, all our connectivity being provided by the Southern Cross cables uh, to, you know, by April, there'll be, you know, there'll be this overlap period, you know, I guess of, of a... a you know however long they decide to you know to do it for, so that we've got dual, um, you know, two lots of of two Southern Cross cables, yeah, plus plus what you you know the other the other two you mentioned. Mm. Um, so yeah, provides us with a lot more resiliency, and of course there's discussion around you know potentially another another connection if if a you know data center opens up in Southland That's that it. could yep. that could link us up. Um, so yeah, very very encouraging, and look. Yeah, we certainly don't want to be in a position where there's not a you know not enough bandwidth. Um, I don't think we've ever as a as a nation got to a point where we we're about to you know we we're on the verge of of running out um, in in terms of capacity. No, and and, and I you know from a business perspective, it's unlikely that we will ever get to that. And you know unless we saw some you know malicious events to uh, to try and uh, disconnect us. And I'm hoping um, I have um, you know put out a uh, a request to to see if we can we can maybe delve a little bit more into this topic with um, with Southern Cross. So um, we will we will see uh, what their uh, capacity is for um, one of their experts to kind of you know come in and, and delve into this topic a little bit more because uh, I think it, there's a whole sort of backstory to you know oh, these projects. Definitely. I think the I project think for Southern Cross is sort of four or five 
uh, years that they've been they've been running mm. um, to just to get to this point oh, yeah. on the next one, and then um, you know we're still close. You know, the best part of a year away uh, until it's uh, it's all all live and operational. Oh, I think um, I think it would make a really good episode. I'll definitely be tuning in for that one um, because you're absolutely right. And I mean, as they talked about at the ceremony that we went to, um, you know, these engineers have been away for months because, of course, in the middle of it all, we've had this jolly COVID situation. So um, they've been away for many months um, on these, um, you know, dealing with this, um, you know, getting this thing ready to go. Um, just one quick thing, if I can say, really kind of cool that there's going to be a couple of branches to the Pacific Islands that have never been connected before. Um, I'm thinking Tokolo and Kiribati. And so with the Tokolo um, spur, I think is the correct term, the, the New Zealand government's chipping in, um, what is it, $23.7 million because, of course, Tokolo is a New Zealand dependency. So those, um, I think there's about 1,500 people live um, in Tokolo. They are going to experience fibre connectivity for the very first time. Um, and isn't that cool? I mean, I, I, you know, we talked, we've had a sort of a slow progression in New Zealand. You talked about copper speeds and, you know, our evolution into fibre and all the rest of it. Very exciting to see what that will do, um, you know, at the education and health, um, digital health possibilities for those, for, for people living there. Really exciting. Um, so, very interesting development for them. Yeah, I agree. I th- you know, I think it's really pleasing. You know, there'll be some people, be, you know, thinking in the background. Well, you know, we've got all this new sat- satellite connectivity that's sort of coming on stream. Uh, you know, this year, which is you know understood to basically be reaching every part of the the globe, other than the you know the poles. Uh, in terms of when we, we're looking at uh, Starlink from um, you yep, know from yep. from SpaceX, but. Um, Realistically, fiber is still oh. the absolute, you know, gold, gold, gold standard. It's the most reliable. Uh, it's got, you know, the the best, you know, performance from a, you know, latency or delayed perspective and the amount of bandwidth available. Um, and once you've got it there, of course, you can slice and dice it up to, you know, across the whole community for, you know, very, very reasonable price. So, um, you know, whilst though this, you know, new satellite connectivity options. Um, you know, will be world changing, uh, but you know, I think yeah, fiber is 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 absolute, just, absolutely key to those uh, totally. to those locations. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, I'm not sure we we can fully understand it because we're so used to having you know great connectivity, certainly in the you know the large majority of New Zealand. Uh, so yeah. Well, for the last decade at least, I'd say. But I mean, one of the other really cool things about the ceremony was um, artist Bronwyn Holloway Smith, who has spent the last sort of six years delving into the history of the cable and the art and 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 the uh, um, and all the the literature and all sorts of things. And these things used to be hugely celebrated. Um, she And just really super quick, she had that lovely um, story about in 1962 when the Prime Minister of the time, Keith Holyoke, um, they connected the cable um, up to a cable that went basically to Canada and from Australia to Canada and then the Canada connected to the UK. They had a massive ceremony and he phoned the Queen. That's right. And I thought that was rather lovely. <laughs> yeah. And they had two different stamps. And, you know, a couple of publications and someone did a beautiful mural which ended up in three boxes at the back of the cable station one day. You know, so it's it was, it was really fantastic to see how nation building this kind of infrastructure can be.
Yeah, yeah, but we we now take it so much for granted, right? It's just another thing that's happening in the it's like yeah background. I need another thousand yeah. megabits per second. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. Yep. Um, CIO fifty. Oh, tell us all about oh, the this CIO, is pretty exciting. The CIO fifty. So this, this is this is part of you know what what you do in your uh, in your day job. I do, I do. So my day job is editor of. CIO and Computer World. And in CIO, we have this fabulous program called the CIO 50. And basically, we ask all IT leaders, CIOs in organizations across New Zealand, private, public sector, to to basically put in, tell us about the innovation that you've been doing in your business for the last 12 to 18 months. I think we're going to say there's been a huge amount uh, spurred, accelerated by that thing called COVID um, and we asked them to write and tell us and then we kind of basically announced the 50 um, and we put it all online and we basically have you know from 1 to 50 we we explain all the different innovation that's happened um, in different businesses we all get to learn heaps more about what people are doing Um, it's right across every sector it's really exciting so it's all it's we've just opened entries now Um, they'll close I think the 23rd of August we've got eight fantastic judges lined up or I should say seven plus me um, and then we're going to have an announcement in October so it's a bit of a you know a bit of a long you know it's a few months in it but that's because we want to make sure we can profile every entry in that top 50 and it's just fascinating to see what our IT leaders are doing up there. And I'm really excited this year because I've been talking to quite a few of them already. I've been profiling a lot of different um, deployments, um, and I'm really keen to see what we're going to what we're going to surface. So please, if you are in an IT, if you're an IT leader for an organisation or a company or a business, please let us know what you're doing. Just go to cio.co.nz if I can say that. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. We uh, we appreciate what you're doing there, and uh, you know I think it's a it's a great service to um, you know to the sector, and of course the better we do in terms of tech and innovation. Yep. Uh, then the better the whole country does. So you know, that's, that's why I, I love us focusing on that and you know lifting up these these stories and encouraging it. And I love it when the government gets behind and gives their support. Um, but it you know it needs to happen across the board. Now we did want to squeeze in a few minutes to talk a little bit about some of the new the new gadgets and things yeah. coming through. Yeah. Um so all all sorts of uh gadgets. Um might start on the Apple front. Okay. Um Apple sort of, you know, they they keep keep getting in the media for all sorts of reasons. Um Mostly pretty good, actually. Um you know, I did a segment on uh on on TVNZ some some weeks back with the iOS fourteen point five update and what they're doing on the the privacy uh, front, and I was a little bit shocked that they wanted to you know run that as sort of a big headline you know story in the first ten minutes of the the six o'clock news, um, you know, but it but it hey, was central to all of our lives, right? I mean, I'm not surprised. It's it's very important, yeah. But these are these are topics that you know often we do we do quickly sort of. Get back to a, 
and I'm actually just looking at your webcam, which is all taped up on your um, on your MacBook there. Um, I'll, I'll, um, I won't. We won't delve into that one. But um, this this topic of, of privacy, it does it does you know quickly um, you know go off the radar. We just sort of get back to normal, and been having some discussions with people about it um, recently because there was uh, a, a a story I think in the New Zealand Herald. Uh, talking about SIS having access to surveillance cameras in some part of New Zealand, and nobody was supposed to know that they had this. Mm. And I'm not quite sure what the you know what the, all the background on it was. But I raised it with a few people, and they just, oh, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's you know it's all good. And I'm thinking, well, you know, at what point you know from there do you end up with a you know a, um, a dictatorship that is you know putting cameras everywhere and then you know, monitoring people and, and, you know, getting to a to a really extreme level. Anyway, that that was anyway, that was one topic. So we talked a little bit about that and let's not delve in too far because we want to talk a little bit about the gadgets. Yep. Um but so but that is an area where I think uh, Apple have done a good job of really saying that, you know, as a as a as a company They've hung their hat on privacy. Um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. totally, totally. So, I mean there's um, that famous um when the Consumer Electronics Show. They they had they never famously turn up to that, but they always they had the big poster. You know, we they were sort of everywhere saying we care about privacy. Yeah, and it's yeah. a really interesting thing. So, where have you seen that in the gadgets coming through? Well, it it seems to be that they're trying to do um, you know more that happens you know on a on a device. So, uh, okay. you know, it used to be that all of this stuff had to go. You know, basically go up to the to the cloud to happen. So we're starting to see, um, but more of that. I think there's been attention paid, and you know, and this over a number of years. And it's and these things aren't just just with Apple, but a lot of attention is paid to well, who can listen when I'm, you know, when I say something to Siri or to uh, yep. Alexa or you know, and you know, Microsoft went you know went through some of this stuff you know as well, and they've. You know they've changed the 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 role of Cortana to um, you know it's not sort of certainly not um, um, you know competing now, um, but Apple are, are um, yeah really trying to balance that 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 stuff uh, around our data and and where it doesn't doesn't go and then giving you those choices and that's what we saw with you know iOS fourteen and and these messages for Facebook and you know other apps you know are you happy with data sharing. Um, but HomePod Mini um, is their newest, I guess their newest sort of thing yeah, to launch yeah. locally. Yeah. And that finally in New Zealand gives us something that apparently uh, can understand our our Kiwi voice reasonably okay oh. and is a dedicated um, speaker. So and and a digital assistant. So um, Apple sent you know um, uh, a couple of these uh, across, or you know they they gave them to me when I had a, um, you know a briefing with them. And so I've been, you know, trying them out. Think because I've mostly uh, since very early on, before they were launched in New Zealand. In fact, before they were even broadly available, managed to get hold of the, you know, Amazon Alexa, and um, you know, using that technology. And you know, it was at first it was entertaining. It was poor. Certainly, there was you know no interest in catering to New Zealand no. accents and voices. And you know, it, it just you know. It, it, 
you know, we, and we, we, you know, and we knew that because it was a US only product, and you had to jump through hoops to make it work in New Zealand. And you know, I remember, uh, you know, my my son, uh, you know, trying to learn words and so on. I'd say, oh, you know, you know, ask uh, ask Alexa, and then you know, oh, how do you spell mum? You know, it's oh, mom, M O M, you know, and so on. Oh, yeah. But we've really come a long way. So um, probably the thing that I've, I, you know, that I found that was different to the other devices. Uh, with a HomePod Mini, um, and I move my SIM card around between different devices. But my, you know, my primary device um, when I was testing this was, um, yeah, iPhone. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I heard um, uh, I was in the kitchen, heard a message that a new text message had arrived, and so I said, you know. Read, you know, read, read me the message. Read it out, yeah. And so it read me the message, and I'm not touching any devices. I'm doing, you know, stuff in the kitchen. And then I sent a reply back. And so I was able to have this two-way oh, text conversation yeah. whilst, whilst working in the kitchen. And I thought, that is good. You're starting this is the to sort of stuff see. that becomes really helpful. Yeah, it goes beyond that kind of sort of um, novelty value kind of testing things out to actually this is really helpful this is actually yeah, going to be what I, what I find all these assistants useful as is, is timers things like that reminders especially in the kitchen it's mm, you mm. know turn the you know turn the oven on and it's, oh, it's going to take a few minutes to heat up so you get it to give you a reminder so you put something in the oven and you don't let something in the you know run too long all these sorts of things listening to podcasts audio yeah I find so that on, really helpful right? um, Do, I yeah. find that I, I, I sometimes often feel quite bossy though you know, <laughs> I when, when, try and when practice they get the song, my politeness yes, with, with the technology. And, yes, and I feel like <laughs> it must be quite strange if you grow up, if you become, you know, with this voice activated, these voice devices, and and you know, we've talked a bit about social voice and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you grow up with this being very normal and natural to you, which is for us in our. Well, Particularly, I talk about myself. You know, my age group, it's all learned. Technology is all learned. It's not, it's not native to me. Mm. Um, it must be quite strange, you know, small children growing up yelling at pl- appliances and, and things <laughs> to do things for them. I mean, yeah. what? I mean, it would be fascinating PhD for some psychology student, really, wouldn't it? You know, it would yeah. be quite interesting. But I often find myself being very bossy because she doesn't get the song right. right, right. <laughs> and it's always yeah, a woman, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, no, look, I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes, I'm sure... Uh, respond in a, in a manner that wouldn't uh, be appropriate for a, for a human, but you know, knowing there's a youngster around, I'm usually trying to you, model good behaviour, and yes, I say, I think that's a good and, idea. I'll, and I'll say thank you and thing, things like that. You know, go nowhere, but um, but you've got to model that behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but sometimes this technology doesn't work very well, and um, I'm not going to delve into it exactly on the show here. But I did have an example where I'd um, you know bump the uh, button. On the Apple Watch, and it started listening to a conversation that yeah. wasn't for Siri. It completely misinterpreted what I had said, and thought what I had said was something that would have been incredibly rude and offensive to say to somebody, and then came back with a response to you know to to that effect. And <laughs> it's just like, oh man, the technology is. Is certainly far from perfect, but it's it's starting it's to starting to be amazing. quite cool and quite yeah. useful. Yeah. And, you know, different bits and pieces. Um, I had a problem with the um, 
with my app to control uh, the lighting the other night. Um, I think um, Philips Hue, their, their, their app has gone through a change and it was yeah, basically wanted me to reset everything up. Mm. And so I just used the voice control, you know, and uh, the – the technology took care of it for me. So these things are getting better. They are, they are. I think you just have to enunciate quite clearly, as you say, the Kiwi accent is still a little bit, it's not always the first in development, is it? We're often the last. Yeah. yeah. Although obviously with, you know, a lot of companies, just to kind of, Tan, just to go off on a bit of a tangent there, New Zealand is sometimes the first. I know of Facebook we've been a bit of a Petri dish in the past, so it's quite interesting. It does happen. It yeah. does happen that yeah. we end up, being first in line for, you know. Autonomous air taxis, you know. There's yeah, that R&D yes, work going that's on true, here. So that's I'm true, testing. Yep. So, yeah, there's possibilities. Uh, the... There was, there was one more thing I was going to... Uh, I was going to mention about the uh, HomePod Mini, or $159 in the New Zealand market. So okay. it's sort of what we're used to with Apple. You know, they're not pitching the lowest price product. No, no what's, but your, it's a, what's but your Echo? $89, 90 they vary because you get specials and those things can come down to, you know, whether it's a Google, um, you know, Home uh, Mini or whether it's an Amazon, yeah, um, device, you know, probably sub $50 at times or so, sub, you know, 50 or $60, whereas Apple doesn't tend to do so much of that. It doesn't. Uh, no. But it seems like a nice device. It sounds good. You can link them together. Uh, you can link them to an Apple TV so you can and. Um, because you can have outgoing audio from your TV up to your Apple TV, you can actually use them. I haven't tried this yet, uh, but you can use them actually, you know, say two of them in stereo um, to be the sound for your, you know, your TV as as well as, you know, the other things that they do. So, um, yeah, I find them good. Uh, great for listening to those little sort of short podcasts and so on. Uh, which is mostly what you know what I would listen to on that type of device, uh, you know, a short little, you know, three or four minute news bulletin um, type show mm-hmm. works great. So yeah, a um, couple of other um, gadgets oh, on the Apple front. Um, Apple launched their M1 chip uh, late last year. Yep, yep. It's just seems to be moving quite quickly. It's now in the iPad Pro, which okay. makes the iPad. The latest iPad Pro, I think we're sixth gen now, um, a very, very powerful uh, device. I think some people are a little bit frustrated, like, hold on, you've got the same chip that you've now got in Macs. Why can't we run Mac apps on uh, on the iPad Pro? Um, so that will be an interesting space to watch whether, you know, how that crosses over. Of course, now on the Mac, if you're running an M1-based Mac, uh, you can run a lot of... Um, iOS or iPadOS apps on the Mac, uh, so we, you know, we, we're seeing an interesting convergence uh, there. And for the most part, we have this scenario where this new, you know, effectively, you know, ARM, um, you know, based um, technology. Um, although you know, Apple make their own M1, um, you know, designs and and, and so on. Um, but it, you know, it's it's based on the ARM. Um, instruction set, but with a whole lot of their own R and D. Yeah. Um. You know, we're we're in this world where that's transitioned and it's mostly working pretty well. Whereas, I've been trying out the devices from Microsoft with their new, uh, you know, iterations of the Surface, and Microsoft oh. have been trying to get Windows on ARM to work well for. It sort of feels like forever, and we're still not there yet. You can mm. run a, uh, and I've tried running the. Um, uh, the 
the you know, preview builds of, of Windows that will uh, allow you to emulate 64-bit apps, and so that does open up the doors. So I think you know Windows is is, is catching um, up in terms of yeah, usability in terms of their their you know ARM based uh, devices, uh, but not really getting there in terms of the performance and so on. So Apple just seem to be they seem to be doing incredibly well on that front. They've just they're doing a very good transition, in the same way going you know going going back many years that they transitioned to the Intel chips. Mm. Um, so yeah, well done Apple on that it's, on that. It front. is it is their thing and hardware and it is at the heart of their whole ecosystem really I guess you can say you know that's that and they've always done this well I'm trying to think of what they haven't done well yeah because you think about what the other gadgets the others come out with the other things that they come out with and every so often there's a bit of a flop really but what's what 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 are they not really gone they go hard they go well they go pricey yeah that I don't think Apple always have the best of of everything, but when you look in terms they of the ecosystem, have, have a, yeah. that the way it all fits together and the way yes. it all the way it all works, um, they just keep building that out. And I mean, it's it's working for them when you look at their profits and their share price and oh. so on. Uh, and and they keep pulling you a little bit further into the into the ecosystem. So um, one thing I didn't renew after their first year though was um, Apple TV Plus. Um, so my Apple TV Plus subscription was about to expire because they they gave away you know this yes, is their I streaming service too, yeah. and uh, it said oh we're going to start billing you uh, and I said, <laughs> like well I, why no, would I do that no that's um, true so streaming. two other products I wanted, or three other things I wanted mm. to ch- mention quickly. Um, smartphones, we have obviously seen Huawei really sort of largely disappear from yeah. the, the New Zealand uh, market because they can't uh, deliver the Play Store and, you know, the, the, the apps that people want want to use still maybe sort of sitting around the edges there with a little bit of market share. Um, Xiaomi is, uh, or Xiaomi, um, with their Mi phones uh, are in the market. Mi 11 Ultra I've been playing around with, uh, and the Mi, what's the other one, Mi 11. Mm-hmm. Um, really nice high-end uh, handsets. Um Impressive on the camera front, so they're sort of you know punching at a at a level we've okay. uh, we've seen from from some of the others in terms of shooting at night. Um, they have a hundred and twenty times zoom uh, feature that they promote. I struggle to get my head around that. I've got to say, and when you jump into when you jump into zoom at that sort of level, um, it does. In my mind, look like complete uh, rubbish. So, <laughs> it, it you know, there's there's a level to which you you just think, you know, couldn't they have handled that a little bit differently? Um, but look, you know, Samsung have done crazy zoom levels and so on as well. Um, but yeah, not, nice to see that we've got these other options sort of officially in the New Zealand market um, now. So, um, and there's that me store out at Sylvia Park. So there's you know a place you oh, okay. can go. And and they've got all sorts from robotic vacuum cleaners to huh. you know earbuds and and uh, you know fitness bands and so on that are you know a lot of those products are a fraction of the price of of buying you know a, 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 from a I guess a non Chinese brand and you know that they seem to work very well they've got you know good partnerships e scooters all sorts of things um, so yeah that's that's one to look at. Um, 
I think one of them, which we've been using, the Mi 11, um, I had that with one of my team, and um, he said it kept crashing on him. So oh. um, so I'm not quite sure what that is. He insists that he's got the latest updates. Um, but, yeah, he said, oh, no, the phone reboots itself. So I guess, yeah, that might just be a problem with that individual device. But um, it's that, difficult was, that if you was an got experience. A, um, the other product, which is a um, – oh, and this, these are 5G, these new ones from yeah. um, Xiaomi. Um, Oppo are doing a bunch of 5G ones as well. Um, they've got a couple of options, the – Oppo A74 and A54 that are coming in as more sort of mid, mid-range price brackets. But if you don't delve too deeply into sort of, you know, camera quality and, and so on, they look as though they've kind of got the large majority of the features of those higher-end phones that can be, you know, quite a, quite a lot uh, a lot more expensive. So, well, they are. Um, and it's yeah. funny you're talking about um, – because I'm just looking at the market share because IDC – do like a update, they count, you know, numbers, shipments, those sorts of things. They yep. do the numbers. Um, now, apparently, Apple and, and um, Samsung accounted for 84% of the eight for eight smartphone ma- market in the first three months of this year, in the first quarter. And they reckon that smartphone-capable devices will pass 50% by the end of the year. So half of all phones will be 5G. Um, and um, most of them, like you said, the average sale- selling price is, was $1,550. So it's obviously those the Galaxies and iPads, oh, sorry, iPhones of this world. Um, but they think that that will probably drop as, like, just to your point, Oppo and, and um, other devices come on stream. And as exactly like what you said, Huawei's pretty much exited the market. Vodafone was quite big in the, in the sub Hundred and fifty dollar, the cheap sort of end of things, or yep. lower price. Yeah. Um, and but it seems like you know th- there's quite a lot of room for movement there. The five G, are you noticing a difference? Like, is it making it worthwhile to have a five G phone? Probably, there'll be some scenarios where it's helpful. You're trying to stream something that you might not have maybe got quite enough on four G connection, but generally. I just I notice the five G pop up and I think oh this is nice yeah um, but for what I do ninety nine percent of the time it's not something that I'm thinking about but if you're wanting to sort of tether a laptop you know yeah. to, to your phone that sort of scenario um, comes in useful so that I just want to mention so those Oppo phones which as I said sort of more mid range the um, the A fifty four five G and the A seventy four five G three forty nine up to oh, um, four forty nine. Um, those, that's the sort of price point across those phones, and yeah, pretty impressive sort of um, specs. Over, you know, overall um, at at those sort of price points, um, the the um, Xiaomi is um, is very much trying um, and and you know doing a pretty good job in terms of its um, specs to compete at the top end. Uh, in the market with you know what's coming through from Apple and um, and and Samsung and so on. So um, I'm just sure what the price. You, you don't have to sort of ha- spend two grand on a phone to you know have a good experience, is what you're saying. And I think well, sometimes we forget they're, that they're, they're coming in. They they're are coming, coming in, in at, that, mid- at that at that sort of price point yeah. with the the Xiaomi ones. Yeah. So um, yeah, so they're they're not they're not. Um, 
you know, they're not super cheap. Depending on which which model you uh, you go for, um, you know, a thousand a thousand dollars up for those ones. But they, you know, they've got, as I say, you know, camera that can actually you know pick up more light than what you're seeing with the naked eye when you shoot in the dark, and mm. you know, um, some some impressive zoom there. But um, yeah, maybe uh, don't bother with the one twenty times option. Um, but yeah, good good stuff going on. Um, and the other thing I was I was going to mention, just um, you know, we we talked about uh, or I mentioned I think at the beginning Dyson, um, their new vacuum cleaner. Oh. Now I don't know, you know, I sort of wondered why why are why are you know um, companies like Dyson sort of you know getting in touch and saying oh can you you know review and, and try out our vacuum cleaner yeah um, but uh, this has sort of been happening for I don't know three or four years and I've very rarely given them any sort of mention on the you know on on the on the podcast but as I've been following them I've sort of started delving into the backstory and James Dyson and 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 what they do on. in terms of research and development and. Um, it's it's incredible. It's kind of like they're this this parallel to you know the most innovative of of you know tech companies, um, but not selling what we would think of as technology. But every year incorporating a little bit more in there, and they seem to be on the cycle that's a a little bit like the top smartphones, and that there's usually a new release just about every year. You know, yes, they're if, right. if not every year, you know, every every two years. Um, and they continue to innovate each time, and sometimes, you and know, it's, a, it's yeah, yeah, it's a little bit questionable. Sometimes they're they're emulating some features from others. So you know, this year with their um, V15, um, you know, which I think when I mentioned it to you, you're like, oh, I want one of those. Um, yes, so th- I'm in the market are, for a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> you know, these are products that are very desirable. Um, you know, they've they've. I guess been inspired by uh, other manufacturers who've been putting uh, lights on the um, on the I don't know what do you call it the um, the nozzle end that you know goes onto the floor yes. um, to sort of highlight what, what you know what you're um, you know what you're vacuuming up. Well, you know of course you know they couldn't just do what everyone else had done, so they put a laser uh, a laser on, um, and there's you know a bunch of other things that are in there that when you have a look, it's like oh actually yeah this is this is good. They and are, does it clean the room though? It does, and I mean, in our house, we only have this the cordless um, Dyson, and I guess the the thing about it is there's it's quite a big sort of change from the old, you know, do the vacuuming, you know, drag it around the room, you know, with and the cord yeah, and-, and then how often you would do it compared to where you've got this vacuum that's kind of there, and you can just do a quick. You know, a quick sort of whip around, you know, very mm. quickly, and then it, you know, just goes back onto uh, onto charge. So, so Dyson like the Apple of vacuum cleaners. Do you think? I mean, are they priced at that top end? Yeah, they very, they very, they very much are. Mm. Um, and there are some other brands that have been at you know at the top end of the the, the market as as well, I suppose. Um, but they seem to it's and a little bit in this way, a little bit like Apple as well. As the prices seem to sort of keep just edging up a little yeah. bit each year, and suddenly you're spending um, two thousand dollars on a yeah, I think they're vacuum. up to probably retail price of about fifteen hundred now. Ooh, but um, it's got lasers, and you can buy their previous year's models at, at at you know lower prices and so on. So there's you know usually there's something available in the market, or every now and then you know probably you know in that range from six hundred up to up to fifteen hundred dollars. But it's the innovation side that you know I find interesting. The way they're doing a lot of stuff around you know with 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 tech in the background, there's you know they're they're analysing what comes in at a 
um, at a you know very very fine level and put them through these filters and actually counting you know how many particles at, at what sizes are actually being pulled in you know off your off your floor and I th- I can't remember they said how many you know calculations it does a second but it's sort of something you're thinking really does it need to do that that's a ridiculous number <laughs> it's far too much yes um, but they're making use of the you know um, the, their own smarts and whatever you know other stuff to to differentiate and uh, they're doing a bit good, of R and D and nothing wrong are, with that they certainly are I'm still upset though that they're not launching an electric vehicle. They pulled, ah. the, pulled the plug on that, I oh, think, they? You know, 12 no. or 18 months ago. Mm. Right. Um, They're focusing on what they know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, it's been very lovely to uh, to catch up, Sarah, um, and we will look f- uh, forward to the next time. Well, so thank you for joining us on the show. And thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you. Now, where do people need to need to go to keep up with your, your latest news? Oh, absolutely. So cio.co.nz and computerworld.com. .co.nz. But either, either is great. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. We'll catch you next time on the NZ Tech Podcast. See ya. New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community. Proudly supported by Umbrella Connect.